Years ago, H.G. Wells visualized roads such as these in his science fiction fantasies. And today they're a reality. You're listening to the Afternoon Commute. to the afternoon commute. Today is September 29th, 2015. If you'd like to hear previous episodes of the afternoon commute, you can go to hoaxbusterscall.com and you'll find those posted up there alongside previous episodes of Chris's Monday night broadcast, the original Hoaxbusters Call. Also posted up there are various videos and articles, some of them original in nature, so make sure you check those out. And for any and all things Hoaxbusters, go to hoaxbusterscall.com com today. Chris, how are you doing today, sir? Uh, real good. How about you? It is quite warm here still. It's probably because of the global warming. Um, not because it's California's natural desert climate, just probably because of global warming. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, you want to make sure that you acknowledge global warming <clears throat> right. it's hot or if it's cold that's right well uh, you know it's starting to cool off in the east and um, over by your house I'm sure and I'm guessing that cool down is probably because of global warming as well so yeah it's 87 so I think anything over 80 degrees is global warming and anything below that, makes, that is global warming. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. That makes sense. But, oh, but I'm doing my part. I'm doing my part. Unfortunately, uh, for global warming's sake, unfortunately my carpool uh, flaked today, so that's just one more car on the road choking us all to death with carbon. Not carbon dioxide, carbon. Yeah. It's no longer carbon dioxide, you were saying? It's carbon now? Just straight up carbon? Carbon emissions. Carbon emissions. So, um, yeah, carbon emissions. That That is, uh, like we talked about uh, the other day, it's coal. Yeah, no coal burning. <clears throat> so is that the deal? It's no longer cars burning gasoline? It's it's They're coming down on coal? Is that what it is? Yeah, that, that in and of itself is an interesting dialectic, uh, the whole coal industry stuff and all that. But um, let's see. I'm sure there's something better we can talk about. Yeah, we could talk about, uh, you heard the, so the Pope came into town in Philadelphia, right? Oh, yes, yes. And apparently... I don't know what what the deal is with this, but uh, so there's a new initiative, the 2030 initiative. You heard of that, right? Yeah, isn't it isn't it just Agenda 21, but now it's 2030? That's what I was thinking. Yeah, yeah. Uh, just I guess stepping it up or whatever. <clears throat> and uh, well, well, well yeah. what happens a lot with these with with these agendas? 
is, and this is this is how you know that these people are not infallible. These people do not rule over us with a complete and total iron fist and control our future. Mm-hmm. Is so many times throughout just my lifetime and me knowing a lot of the stuff that we talk about, and I'm sure because you've been looking into this a lot longer than I have. Um, how many times has their agendas failed, and then they have to reuptake them? Yeah, I think that's basically how the way it works. It's kind of a two steps forward, one step backward type progression. But it's always kind of steadily, you know, Fabian style going in one direction. And yeah, it's, yeah. it's incrementalism. So people have this idea that, oh yeah, it's shit's hitting the fan and then we're going to be in FEMA camps and this and that and the other thing. <clears throat> no, it's a slow, it's, it's gradualism, you know. That's how this stuff works. Absolutely. Now, I've seen a lot of changes. I've seen that because I. Like I said before, you know, I've listened to so-called Patriot Radio. And, uh, yeah, Patriot Radio, I don't know. I mean, I don't think necessarily everybody on there has to be an absolute CIA agent or anything like that. I mean, I I don't know if I believe that. I believe people can get kind of caught up into those particular uh, outlets without um, necessarily being in the know. I don't know. But, I mean, there used to be some... uh, pretty good hosts on there that would uh, talk about, like one guy would talk pretty extensively about Agenda 21, and I used to listen to his his uh, show there, and he'd have it like, uh, I think every night, or every several times a week, and he would just be sitting there reading Agenda 21 and reading all the, all these, he had all these all those different documents related to that, and uh, yeah, and that was uh, in the 90s, uh, probably uh, mid to late 90s there and uh yeah i've seen the different uh parts of the agenda being kind of slowly introduced and implemented you know here here in my uh t- hometown talked about this before about uh is it 2008 before the gas prices went way up here because we, we were always you know no dollar it, it'd stay around a dollar 50 it'd go up a little bit but it would it would hang around a dollar 50 and then I think it was 2008, I think it was, when it went up to, like, almost $4 a gallon. And uh, I remember it pretty well because I was, I was commuting to work back then. I was going, I was driving to Wichita Falls, like, an hour away. And I was driving, dri- well, about 45 minutes. So I was 45 minutes there and 45 minutes back. And I remember, like, oh, shit, I'm going to have to move. I'm going to have to move, you know, to Wichita Falls because it ain't no way in hell. Because I a- added up what it was going to cost me in gas. And it, it's... I can rent an apartment for that, you know? It's like, uh, I'm not going to do that. And uh, right before they jacked the prices up, they put a bus line in. in, in it, we, didn't have a, we, didn't have a, we didn't have a bus, regular bus route here. And then, like, right before that happened, they put in a, 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 bus, a bus line, and they uh, had about, like, five or six buses that go all over town now. And that was right before the gas went up real high. Oh yeah, I'm sure I'm sure that was coordinated. And they're incorporating bike trails like we were talking about before. They're doing that here. 
Um, yeah, that, that, yeah, that definitely is Agenda 21. That, there's, that's, that's definitely Agenda 21. Because, once again, that's something like we were discussing on Friday. That's something that you can see like being rolled out nationwide. And you can see like all, all the little fads and trends that are incorporating that, you know, since 2008, you could see that all being incorporated. And I think what I was trying to say was, is that there's certain things that, that, uh, I, I think that these, that they have a lot of projections as to what they want to get done. Sometimes that doesn't happen. So what they do is they, it's like they do that. They, they just say, okay, you know, agenda 2030 now, you know, it's, it's always ongoing. They have a particular, goal that they want to meet maybe they don't always meet those goals but it's always ongoing until the final thing is completed you know i mean if you if you technically wanted to say that uh that you know the goals of i guess uh the new world order in the middle east uh-huh are 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 always ongoing ever since uh George Bush talked about it in a speech in 1990. Yeah. And and basically, uh, you know, it's it's a hundred year plan to be to reform the Middle East in the image of the West. Maybe, maybe. I don't know exactly what it is, but that's what it looks like at least. Yeah, and they're, and they're pretty pretty far along, from what I understand. I mean, I haven't. I haven't visited the Middle East uh, or anything like that, but from what I understand, it's it's fairly westernized at this point. Uh, yeah, and I, you know the leaders. I I think they're figureheads, just like they are here. I don't know about uh, any kind of real opposition. I think those those uh, Orthodox religious groups and stuff are are you know that. Those people have really those true sentiments about things and all that, and and I think that's what is uh, being dealt with, you know, uh, to get a, you know, to get war going over there to kind of thin out the population as far as the male population that holds to those certain traditional ideals and stuff like that, and then you know, like we we're talking about how important it is to inject the western music culture movies hollywood and stuff while they're while they're occupying the place so they yeah you know that's, yeah. A, that's an interesting point i was just thinking about something because um i mentioned this on a call that we did with jay dyer that i was reading a book off and on and it was it's a book written by a guy named alan sherman and he is right. It's called the rape of the ape. Okay. Yeah. And ape is an acronym for American Protestant ethic. Okay. And he is writing from a particular perspective. This book was put out by Playboy. It was put out in the 1970s, and he's writing from the particular perspective of that. You know, that was all good and great and wonderful that the American. Protestant ethic was destroyed through the sexual revolution. And he's even openly printing uh, articles from Playboy and they're reprinting them in there and talking about how, uh, you know, 
it was basically the goal of Playboy to destroy the idea of morals and values that corresponded with Protestant the, the Protestant ethic. And, you know, it, it's interesting, too, because we know from uh, the, uh, the article that I found and that you reposted on Hostbusters, uh, I think it was last year sometime, that President John Adams, my namesake, uh, put out a declaration saying when he was president. So, uh, you know, he's, what, he's president in 18, or early 1800s, late 1700s, I can't remember. But he made a declaration that America was not ever a Christian nation, was not founded on Christian values. Um, he himself, I think, was a deist, right? Uh-huh. And so, so there was actually a pre- presidential proclamation that America was not a Christian nation. Now, the difference is, it's the same thing that when you get into other countries, the difference is, is that the culture, like the people who are involved in the culture, are predominantly Christian right. at one time. Okay, so just because the leaders are a bunch of Satan-worshipping Freemasons, <laughs> yeah. doesn't, doesn't mean that the people of the country aren't Christians, and they don't hold those values, and they don't attach those values to their idea of patriotism, nationalism, and they attach all of their their real beliefs to these false notions that, you know, George Washington, you know, uh, was uh, was a God-fearing Christian, right? Right. And so, uh, so, so that's what's happening in these other countries as well. Is obviously, I, in my perspective, it, I think the leaders of those religions over there, as they like to call it, are uh, are just as controlled as any religious organizations over here, that does not mean that the bulk of the people don't incorporate their religion into their culture, and we have been successfully separate the religion of, the predominant religion of the day in America was successfully separated from the culture itself. Right, yeah. Yeah. And so now... Now that's what's being done in the Middle East. It's now they have to separate the culture from the religion. And soon you'll have uh, a largely hedonistic culture. And then the outsiders are going to be the people who believe in that old buddy-duddy religion. Yeah, well, that's what happened here with the various revolutions that happened within the United States over the last several decades you know the uh, sexual revolution the uh, and then the whole anti-war hippie movement drug culture revolution and uh, the destruction of the family and then uh, bringing in the at the same time these secular materials naturalistic uh, ideas being heavily promoted in the public schools and in the universities and uh, I think that really got ramped up in the 60s from what I understand the teaching of evolution oh, yeah. and, and all of that at the same yeah, time just, that the yeah the hippie stuff was going on and all that sexual revolution and all that 
yeah, it's interesting to read this book here that uh, that uh, Megan Tropin was reading the uh, expanded cinema. And Mr. Uh, Youngblood there, who wrote the book, he seems to be of the notion that television and film is somehow, it's an expansion of consciousness, right? Uh-huh. And I, I don't think he's necessarily a, a bad guy. He sounds like he, he's, uh, he, it sounds like he, he's been duped with the, te- with the, with the communications revolution and the technical revolution of that time period, uh-huh. and and so a lot of a lot of these writings are 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 uh, saying that that television and and um, film can be used for good, and it's actually an expansion of consciousness. Uh, it's actually an extension of of consciousness into the material realm. Mm, okay. Okay. But he's not writing in it from a viewpoint, it doesn't seem at least, that he's writing it from a viewpoint of someone who is, you know, pro the idea of controlling people through that medium. Yeah. But but at the same time, he seems to lack a kind of... Um, a kind of insight that this medium in it of itself is controlled. He kind of maybe he thinks he thought at that point in the seventies that that you'd be able to wrestle the control away from the people who um, who controlled those mediums. And, and I, I personally don't believe that film or television in, in of itself is an extension of consciousness. It is technically, if that's the reality that you live in, twenty four hours a day, seven days a week. Yeah, it probably would be more so for certain people than others. Yeah, and and, and you see, it's interesting because you know I was thinking about it, and you really do externalize your power over to films and and and, and various forms of entertainment. When you when you when you are constantly engaged with them, because of the fact that that what you've done is now you now you externalize your happiness that that part of your uh, psyche that associates uh, things with happiness and you satiate your happiness by going and participating in in this uh, entertainment no matter what it is, right? Right. And sometimes. Uh, those elements of happiness could would normally be given over to something else. Right. But the the emotions and the things that you share with the characters in the movie and that you uh, that you relate to, you know, when uh, when you when you're watching a movie, you're actually putting yourself in the shoes of the characters, right? Uh huh. And, and you kind of adopt the situation that's going on in the movie. Um, this is something that you do even if you're trying to just analyze it coldly. Right. And so a lot of that emotion and a lot of that, uh, you know, the interest that you're putting into 
the film itself or the television show or whatever or even the music a lot of that interest may even be something that is uh naturally reserved for for things like that to happen in real life but now you've externalized that power and given it over to the medium of the film or the tv show or the or the uh, music yeah 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 you're you're um you know you get and run through different scenarios and there's a lot if you if you're watching a movie and you're kind of analyzing it um you'll pick up on the different subtle uh influential memes and stuff that are put out through movies like um you know let's take a subject like you know being a single mother you know you'll have a character in a in a film that's a single mother and they'll and they'll go through routines and stuff that are you know typical of being a single mother and all that and then um then there'll be you know commentary and stuff that has has positive reinforcement for yeah being a single mother and then you know it's uh such the or it's like it's a heroic thing and it's this that and the other thing you see what i mean and so it's it, i've talked about this before with film you know, you may watch a particular film. That doesn't necessarily mean this particular film is going to have a lot of, you know, or even any predictive programming or anything in it or, or any kind of uh, trying to push any particular new agenda um, in particular. It, what I think it does generally, and this, is, this goes for all television shows and, you know, uh, movies and uh even even music uh it reinforces the established social norms it it it's there to continually bolster and to um legitimize the current established order social absolutely norms. yeah and then well, that's why, the, yeah that's, there's always that in films yeah, that's why stuff becomes so outdated, you know? Yeah, that's why you watch some of these older movies, like from the 50s or whatever. You know, a lot of people you know, still like to watch those, but it's not they're not nearly as popular as they were because there's, uh, especially like the younger people, there's, there's nothing, uh, a whole lot in those that they can relate to or identify with. So it's, you can't get wrapped up in the character and identify with them. Yeah, even the character archetypes are different because the, that type of man and woman don't even exist anymore. So right, it's not that they're. It's not. I mean, there's some really good stories in these older movies, like really interesting plots and really engaging and compelling and stuff. But yeah, if you can't really identify with and put your put yourself in the place of the character, you're not going to be able to engage with it. You know. Yeah, I think uh, I think even going through going through and trying to watch an old film, people might even get lost in the dialogue because the dialogue's not as uh, limited as it is in today's movies. I, th- I, I really think you know just since two thousand seven, two thousand eight, I really started to see a, a super hardcore decline in in films. 
Like even even movies that people were were telling me, oh man, this movie's so awesome, this movie's so great, and then I'd go watch it. I'm like, this <laughs> this is yeah. terrible, you know. And and it's like uh, Doctor Day said in that uh, in that uh, speech that that uh, he talks about how movies and and music are gonna are going to get worse. Remember that. Yeah, in that, um, what was that speech he gave to uh, some university, right? Yeah, I'm going to go back and listen to that again. That was a good one, yeah. Yeah, and, and so, so the funny thing was is, is that he realizes in there that it's already bad. <laughs> oh, yeah. And when was that speech given? Like in the 60s, late 60s or something like that? Yeah, it's in the 60s. But, yeah, so they... He he's saying there like yeah it's it's bad we we realize that it's bad we know it's bad and it's only going to get worse and and I, I I always found that interesting because you actually you know if you if you go back chronologically through entertainment you can actually see it like really really decline in just all areas. Oh. It, it's, Did I tell you you ever heard of the movie? I don't know. This may have. Fin some people maybe people really like this movie but I don't I don't I don't know I can't figure out why it, it's a movie uh, you know Quentin Tarantino I mean I've seen a couple of his movies before that I you know I, I thought were pretty good I mean the really good dialogue and stuff you know like the uh, Pulp Fiction or the that one uh, Reservoir Dogs you know you've ever seen those but yes of course yeah everybody's seen those but uh there, there's a. Of course, he's done plenty of other movies, and uh, I haven't seen probably. Mo- I haven't seen most of them, but uh, there's one, Kill Bill. Have you ever seen that? Yes. I thought that was the stupidest shit I've ever seen in my life. I was. I got. It, I got 15 minutes into it, and I was like, I can't. I'm not. I can't watch this. Is just. It was just dumb. I don't know, man. I just. I was like, <laughs> I, I just don't get this shit. I was like, they're. You know, it's it's I don't know. It was just so over the top and ridiculous. And then like somebody gets hit with a sword or whatever, and then oh, it's like it's it's like uh, it's like taking the top off a fire hydrant with all the blood just just jettisoning it out everywhere and just going all over the place. It's like, come on, just what what is this, man? Well, I, I just I, think yeah, I had to turn uh, it off. I, I don't particularly enjoy his films, but I think what he was doing with that particular uh, um, movie and the sequel is he was uh, emulating uh, uh, samurai films from the 60s and 70s. Yeah, maybe you have to have some kind of reference point to see it. Because, yeah, I'm not even familiar with that. So I, I guess it would maybe yeah, make so more the, sense the genre, familiar with it. The genre that is the samurai film, uh, i.e. Uh, Lone Wolf and Cub, which was uh, released in America as, uh, what was that film called? Shogun Assassin, that's what it was called. Um I, I used to watch my karate and kung fu movies on Saturday, on Saturday mornings. <laughs> oh yeah, I yeah I've watched. Uh, there's some pretty good ones out there. I've I've watched a couple. Um, yeah, I can't think of one I've watched not that long ago, but uh, it was like a really old. It, well, not real old, but it was 
black and white, and it was a samurai movie seven or something. Seven, and it was huh? Seven Samurai. That might have been it. I'm not sure. It was about these two. Um, they were like they were like these uh, petty thieves. They, they, these guys are just they're, they're kind of like the they were just like the low rung of society, and they were just these these guys that kind of just steal shit and they try to get what get by. And they're they're kind of in I guess 17th century uh, Japan, and then they end up meeting the samurai and they do of course and they got to rescue this girl and she's held kept somewhere and it was it moved along pretty good and it was it's a pretty good movie but uh it was all subtitles so you have to sit there and read the subtitles but yeah yeah uh, that's you know, you know that's where um that's where uh all, all of all of the things that you see in the westerns like the spaghetti westerns yeah, with Clint Eastwood right right yeah yeah he borrows from all mm-hmm. Yeah, Sergio Leone bases all that stuff on there, and um, even the music that became associated, you know, like the like uh, the Good, the Bad, and the Ugly theme, and the theme from Fistful of Dollars. That's all based off of Japanese music from those movies. Oh, even the music is okay. Yeah, if you think about the progressions, maybe that's what we'll uh, close out with today. We can close out with the theme, and you can think about how it uh, how it's. Uh, it sounds like Japanese music, a lot of that Western uh-huh. music uh, from the Westerns. Yeah, so all that stuff was heavily influenced by Japanese films then, right? Yeah. Yeah, because yeah, a lot of people associate um, the, du- the duels and the showdowns and all that type of stuff with the gunslinger, but... Uh, I've got a really good book. Uh, it's called The Gunfighter Man. Uh, what was it called? The Gunfighter uh, Myth, or I can't. I can't remember. I think maybe it's called The Gunfighter Myth. And yeah, it just goes over how there wasn't really, you know, there there were these big gunfights. There were these there were these one gunfights that stood out in history. Uh-huh. And then there was a mythology created about gunfighting in the Old West based off of these, like, you know, overall speaking, these rare occurrences of guys getting into gunfights. Yeah. But, yeah, we've talked really, about that before. We have, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, there was a newsletter type of thing. It was, it was kind of like um, a... It wasn't. I don't know, necessarily fall in the category of revisionist history, but it, it it would go into that, and then it's like, okay, here's here's more of a truer account, as much as we can tell from, you know, diaries, documents, and and all that, and yeah, and not not nothing like the impression that's given in these westerns and stuff that were so popular, man, for a long time. Yeah, and it's like showdown at the OK Corral, you know, uh, you know, but if you were to watch Western films, showdown at the OK Corral happened uh, every single day. Yeah, you know, you go into town to pick up a sack of flour, and you know you're probably going to have to kill a couple of guys before you get back to the house. 
just yeah, just every. You know, it's like uh, nobody would be around after a couple of years, right? Yeah, even wow. even Bonanza, even Bonanza. You, you think about how many how many gunfights. You know, every episode is representative of you know a day in the life of the the, the peaceful men of Bonanza, but yet they always have to uh, deal with some rogue gang riding into town or something, and, and eventually someone gets killed. So every day, every day, uh, they you know guns were blazing. Yeah. Just, just, an, just a regular thing, you know. Just like uh, it's a, it's a, it's a great reinforcement myth too, because that way, you know, one, one, th- this would ensure in the minds of people that one, you would never, you know, you could always equate anarchy with the Wild West. Oh, you don't ever want to go back to that. Remember what that was like? <laughs> no, I wasn't there. But oh, you mean TV? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, you know that's that's what it was like. It was it was just you know like you said, oh, you walk down to the store to get a sack of flour, and you know there's you know there's guys with stubble chewing a cigar, and they're gonna you know they're gonna <laughs> trip you when you're walking. <laughs> Johnny Southpaw yeah. gets tripped. You gotta you gotta so, watch that. You gotta watch Johnny Southpaw's lightning left hand. Coming out, that's you know, right. Coming out of that holster. <laughs> yeah, that, that's that's what happens. Like, yeah, that that, that all uh, some some there's a there's some guy who you, you thought was like you know sleeping on a chair, but with his hat covering his face. But if it, he starts whistling once the. Uh, once the showdown starts, yeah. Once you get your hands yeah. full, you got like a hundred hundred pound sack of flour in your hand, and then you ne- and like, you never oh, want to go back to that. Down. No, you can't even you can't even ever relax, and you're always on you're always on edge. It's like oh, it's gonna get getting a shootout any time. No, that's uh, yeah, I mean, so, come on, so when, like that. So then, when the encroachment of something like Agenda Twenty Thirty. Uh, makes its way down to the uh, makes its way down to you know you the individual. Then what you got reinforced in the back of your mind is well at least not like the Wild West. That, that's all. That's like a uh, colloquialism. Oh yeah, the wild. Yeah, we don't want to. Or you know Detroit. Oh, it's just like the Wild West. Or you know, well they say like that about the internet. Oh, it's, it's like the Wild. West. In other words, it's. It's kind of a free for all lawlessness and just uh, yeah, any, anything goes type thing. That's what it's yeah. commonly associated with. Yeah, but that's all based on myth. Absolutely. Hey, uh, keep talking for a second. I'm gonna mute myself for a minute. Okay. Right, and uh, yeah, I guess there's been shootouts in history. Uh, well, I mean, there's, I guess, shootouts today from time to time. I don't know, like, I'm not talking about these fake hoaxed events, but uh, eh, maybe it happens. But, uh, you know, I mean, how many people own firearms in the United States? A lot of people own firearms, and, like, well, shouldn't shouldn't it be just a, a regular thing like it was in the Wild West? What's, what's, oh, is it because we got uh, all this 
uh, all this law enforcement and all this law and order and stuff now? Or uh, no, I mean, it's just people don't live that way. It's just it's it's not. <laughs> nobody wants to live that. Even even the. It, why would uh, gangsters and criminals do that when they can uh, work out some sort of a scam through the money system and get rich? You know, it's like, yeah, you know, that's uh, yeah, it's all it's all mythology. Just like television, anything that's a sort of a, a trope or a meme in television is there for a reason. And it's there to reinforce some kind of, uh, you know, a uh, certain thought process or a certain way people view the world a certain way and view society a certain way. And, uh, yeah, thank God, you know, we don't live back in those times. It's like, well, I mean, you don't know. You weren't there. I, you know, you know, there's still some of those old timers still around that live you know, closer to that era, maybe, you know, to my life, older they are, but, uh, I don't know, I don't remember ever hearing about anybody that I know, as far as, like, an elderly person, and I've spoken to many of them throughout my lifetime, and I don't remember any of them t- telling me about any gun battles they were in or anything like that, I, I don't, you know, uh, funny story, is like, when I was, I, I remember this when I was little, I, uh, my, my dad was from Los Angeles, and my, my mom's from here in Oklahoma. And uh, I remember my grandparents on my dad's side, like, uh, sometimes they call around Christmas time and stuff like that. And and they they asked, like, my mom at the time, I don't know if it was my grandma or my grandpa, it's like, oh, you still have, you got, like, wild Indians going around, and they're, you know, shooting, what do they shoot, uh, bone arrows at people and stuff? So they actually had some sort of impression that 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 was still going on and i mean this was the the 70s but yeah i mean yeah really man i'm not making that up it's people uh thought thought that yeah the wild west still going on in oklahoma i mean like uh no i mean if you see indians now they uh are Generally speaking, I've said this before, it's like uh, the Western diet or the modern civil, so-called civilized diet is really appears to be making a serious impact on uh, Native American uh, genetics, I guess. I don't know what's going on, but yeah, they're generally speaking, they are uh, overweight. I mean, to very common to see. Anytime you see a Native American, they're generally speaking, they're going to be overweight, and yeah, they they haven't uh, adapted to the to the Westernized diet at all whatsoever. Seems like, and uh, yeah, that. Uh, but then you know, another funny thing about that is, you just even in Oklahoma, you don't see that many Native Americans. Hardly ever. I mean, they're around. I have a friend I grew up with in high school, Native American, his brother's Native American. They're like uh, actually half Native American. Their mother's Native American and uh, their uh, father's Syrian. So, yeah, I mean, they're they're around, but uh, not 
not that many. I mean, it's probably more uh, Hispanics and more uh, black people than there are Native American in Oklahoma at this point, which is, um, well, may or may not be true. I don't know about the rural areas and stuff. It's, it's different out there, but, yeah, definitely in town, though. Yeah, that is true about the Native Americans, and they have a high autism rate as well because... Oh, really? Um, that's what my uh, sister used to do. She used to live out in um, New Mexico and try to help autistic children on the Indian Reservation, and yeah, that's probably because of diet and injections as well. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, uh, I guess for the most part, Native Americans are fairly compliant, you know. I don't think they are are too much for going up against a system or anything like that uh, that I know about. Uh, well, of course, there's exceptions to that, I'm sure. But um, I guess just like any other uh racial group or whatever you want to call it but uh no it's uh pretty sad though how you know they used to pretty much occupy this whole continent here i mean this whole whole geographic area and now they're pretty much their population numbers are pretty scant in comparison Yeah, it's um, pretty pretty sad. That's for sure. We um, yeah, we don't even know that. It, most people don't even know anything about that history at all. Like uh, my my buddy's uh, grandmother, she lived through a lot of the. Uh, Oh, the relocations and the and the different stuff. She she when she was a young girl, she was sent to Indian school, and they forbid her to speak her native language. And yeah, so I mean, yeah, a lot of that. Uh, uh, absolutely, you know, they absolutely set out. Well, and they succeeded in 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 just about completely wiping out their culture. But then you know they'll have the sort of uh, you know contained you know powwows and stuff like that and then they have the Oklahoma oh here's the Oklahoma Indian Cultural Center and this is where they have powwows and everything so it's all sort of tightly regulated and in, in in pre-prescribed areas and and it's and it's kind of now a a, a, a a theatrical type thing it's like oh yeah isn't that neat check that out you know Native American dances and all that, so that, that's so it, it, it's now become sort of a entertainment of sorts, and uh, yeah, it's just been in, incorporated into the uh, capitalist culture. So you go to powwow and they they got all the food vendors and the ticket and, the, and this and that and the other thing, and it's just another you know. Event, it's like a sporting event or something like that. Well, yeah, it's been totally 
exploited and commercialized on top of it because I know a lot of the reservations are run by Masons as well. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah all the all the Indian leaders are all Freemasons as well, so and then you always see these in- Indian leaders these guys who like you'll see commercials out here. Right, you'll see the commercials uh, for the Indian reservations, and uh, it's always a guy in a suit. He's got like the he's got like the vestigial ponytail. To <laughs> you know, that's kind of like his. Uh, that's kind of his uh, his costume. You know. Yeah. And and there's all there's always um, you know money that's going to. You know the state. The states have to pay so much money to the Indian reservations that to keep them going. But then, you know, from what my sister said, and like I said, she lived there for a long time. She said it's just like a wasteland. It's just people living in uh, like trailers. You know. Yeah, really so, run down and just totally run down. It's like a ghetto. Uh, dirt roads, dogs. You know, like dogs running all over the place, like wild dogs everywhere. Um, just really sad. So, unfortunately, unfortunately, they were conquered. Yeah, systematically uh, neutralized, you know. That's what yeah. happened, yeah. And- yeah, and I mean, not that we, not that we've all haven't had the same thing done. It, you know, it it gets into this area that I was I was talking about with Marcus the other day, and we uh, because we we were doing a short podcast, so I didn't really have a lot of time to elaborate. And you and I have talked about this before and gotten pretty in depth with it. I don't hate technology. I don't hate quote unquote progress, but. It, it, if you if you break it down to the individual level, nobody ever sat you down and told you what technology was. They don't. They didn't explain to to each one of us what it is. And the way that we've been brought up is that things magically appear for us in culture. That's how we're conditioned. Yeah, we've been conditioned to to accept things just like they, they pop up and they become a normal thing and and uh, people have been that way for a long time they don't they're not suspicious of their culture right and and uh, I think with when they when they really started uh, you know with the mass marketing mass media uh, mass communication, all those things, it really brought in something to a, to a people, uh, you know, like in the 1930s, 40s, 50s, and make, making full circle all the way back to what we originally started from. These were people who associated their religion with their national identity. So they were not suspicious of their own government. There, there wasn't... There wasn't uh, any suspicion of the of the American government post World War II. Everybody was rah rah rah, hey hey hey, it's all good, right? Yeah. God was on our side. 
Yeah. Triumph of good over evil. Kick the, the most evil. Yeah. For the most evil in the whole world. Yeah, the evil na- Nazis. We get we kicked our butts and feeling pretty good about ourselves and yeah, good times then. Uh, and then and so so there was no suspicion to be had. And then, like we talked about with Pierce Redmond, the only suspicion was that there was you know communist infiltration of everything under the sun. But it was such an extreme, you know. Uh, such an extreme thing that, that most people would think that was crazy and, you know, obviously being promoted by the same people running the communists. Now, I can understand why if there was a certain type of person like myself, I, I, I've made this uh, same analogy before, that if I lived in the 50s, I may have even been a JBS member. Uh-huh. You know, because... I might not have known any better, right? Yeah. And I could have seen the same stuff that we talk about here, or see the same things running through culture and go, man, it is a communist plot. So I understand how people get roped into that stuff the same way, you know, someone like myself gets got roped into listening to Alex Jones. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. And, and so... And then there's, but but see, then there's the people who, who still to this day. I was just talking to this guy at work the other day, and I was he was asking me some you know questions about history, and he's all, "What do you think the world would be like if the South had won the Civil War?" Right? (laughs) (laughs) And I said, "I'm all well. The South was not designed to win the Civil War. I'm all, you know, the, the." the ins and outs and the winnings and the losings of, of all of those wars are, are pre-planned ahead of time. Yeah. I'm all, that, that's, that's all worked out way ahead of time. And he's like, what? And I'm all, do you really think that the, that, that America went to war with Japan and, and Germany and that the winning and the losing wasn't worked out ahead of time? And he's like, well, yeah. And I'm all, so you, so you think that we went in there and we just kicked butt? That, that's a, my, my words, just like you just said. That's what I said to him. Said, so you just think we went in there, we just kicked butt and, and took names, right? And he's like, he's like, yeah, yeah. That, I'm, I'm not, I was like, I'm all, why was Emperor Hirohito uh, knighted by the Queen of England right prior to World War II starting? <laughs> yeah. Well, don't, so, anyways, anyways, most people will still come to those conclusions, and a lot of it has to do with um, them tying good and evil into their own national identity as well. That still proliferates yeah. today. Yeah, people incorporate that into their own identities, their own egos, their own identities, and they associate their power with the uh, established order. That's why, uh, like, you know, getting into these debates and stuff with these, uh, you know, Darwinists or uh, atheists or, you know, whatever people who, uh, it, it's, it's more, I think, better understood as 
um, at, at least in one respect, it's 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 like this uh, political, or well, it actually is. And it's not like a political. It actually is a political force, a political organization. The the uh, materialist naturalists, you know, and they have a lot of influence on education, a lot of influence on, um, you know, what what gets taught in universities. And, uh, you know, museums, all kinds, you know, they have all kinds of influence. And um, so it's, they are a a political body, you know, and these people that subscribe to this, you know, scientism and all that, they identify uh, and associate their their power with this group, you know, and that's in the way, and then, then there's this dialectic or this, you know, between established religion uh, on one hand and then this um, so-called new uh, thought that's based on you know facts and evidence and science and um, and then they're they're always uh, they call it the uh, um, uh, shoot man I was just reading about it but it's it's it it is a, a war going on between the you know established religious order and then then the so-called scientific this you know scientism or the scientific uh, establishment and they're always positioning themselves as sort of like um uh, a, a traditional victim like going back to the days and they always kind of bring up that oh you know galileo he knew the truth about this you know the earth going around the sun and he was so horribly oppressed by the church well the the geocentric model was uh, Aristotelian. It wasn't. It wasn't. That didn't emanate from the church. That was Aristotle that came up with that, and um, that was the established cosmology for a long time until the supposedly or allegedly Galileo came up with the Earth going around the sun thing. And but they but they position themselves as being oh we'll see this this man of science that all he really cares about is facts and the truth and you see how religion is you know historically stood in the way of progress and facts and truth and enlightenment and and they're they're always positioning themselves like that like they're this type of uh, martyred figure and it's like none of that is even true none of that is even based on anything halfway true i mean there's like there's all this tradition and stuff going back to this materialist naturalist and stuff that was started in the churches and that that that's never brought up but so, no it's like now in the modern day though people believe that there's this there's this ongoing battle between uh, the established religious order and science and then the established religious order is holding science and progress back and that's just not even it's not even true at all yeah, it's also a dialectic as well because I, I've always I've like I brought this up before. It's the same thing with abortion. It's like I think it does an injustice. It's the same thing with the atheism uh, thing. It's like why do you have a scientist? And it's always set up when when you're looking at it in the media. They set up a scientist, but then they set up you're going to debate a preacher, right? Yeah. <laughs> and so so it's already skewed right there because, okay, the, the pastor or the preacher or whoever it is, the religious nut that's going to be exploited on, on 
on the television debate, they are going to, um, they don't have as much quote unquote expertise as that science, scientist, right? Right. I'm talking if you're viewing it just from someone who's looking at it from a level one way of looking at it, right? Yeah. Uh-huh. This, this scientist has more knowledge about the particular of it or whatever, and then this person is going to engage in an arbitrary argument because it's going to be his belief versus science as fact, right? Right. So why don't they ever have two scientists, one who's a, cre- uh, one who's a quote-unquote creationist and one who's a, an atheist evolutionist debate each other? But they don't ever set, set that up. But obviously it's because there are no scientists who are creationists. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean... 100% of scientists agree. Right, I mean, that's that's what you'll always hear, but, uh, yeah, I mean, it, but, but the truth of the matter is probably nowhere near that, you know? So, but, you know, how, how, and that's something else, too. It's something that we're, it, it, it's sort of a... Uh, it's just sloganeering is what it is. It's just like, oh, all, you know, 99% of scientists think this way or 99. But it's like, okay, yeah, show me some evidence of that. Like, what are you referring to? Are you just, no, they're just regurgitating something that they heard. But it's like, why would that, okay, why would that be true if scientists are just like any other group of people? They came up, they came before they went to school and before they did all that, they came out of the general populace and they all have different backgrounds and they all have different ideas about things. Why would they all be atheists? It doesn't, that doesn't make any sense. It, uh, but I think the impression that's trying to be made is that, oh, once they got into the science and the facts and the evidence, it, it just overwhelmed them, and they were just so overcome by the evidence that they converted to, you know, atheism or materialism or stuff. But that's there's no evidence for that. There's, uh, yeah, ask ask anybody that repeats because you'll hear that all the time. If you get any kind of discussion with a, a atheist or uh, a materialist or something, they're gonna they're gonna tell you that because that's. Really, the only arguments they can offer up are, you know, logically fallacious appeals to authority, appeals, uh, you know, uh, merit by association and all these other logically fallacious arguments. But that that's one of their favorites is like, oh, all scientists believe in it. It's like, well, even if they did, even if 100% believe in it, that doesn't make it true. But anyway, it's like, but where do you get, what evidence can you provide that establishes that? I mean, do you have any at all? Did you, I mean, what are you well, referring well, to? I think- I think I think the church the churches are complicit in this um, because they never bring up any real arguments when it comes to this type of stuff. And it, that I mean, I think that there are some good arguments, but it's like the abortion thing that I was talking about, you know, before. It's it's like all you would have to do, and, and I have I've, I have seen a little bit of this because it's just so overwhelming in in the evidence of the of history with you know the within the black community that's the only reason it gets any traction is that is that uh abortion is the product of you know eugenesis like margaret sanger and that's why it was set up was for eugenic purposes but but why didn't we ever hear about that from the beginning why are you only now starting to hear about it? How, how do people, how, you're telling me there's nobody in any religious institutions that 
that could have gotten uh, some airtime uh, have never talked about that. Yeah, really. Yeah, like they didn't know about that, and then yeah, what we talked about this before is like, okay, these big churches like here in town, for instance, they don't know that right. Or, I mean, literally right around the corner. I mean, just around the corner from the the big the biggest Baptist church in town is a Masonic lodge where the members are, you know, basically worshiping in the devil or Lucifer. And, oh, you don't know about this, and this has been going on since this church has been here, and you never heard about this or you don't know about it. It's absolutely ridiculous. And then the members will be Masons, and like where I went to church, they were. Uh, telling me that, oh yeah, the we have masons in the church. I said, what? Seriously? So you got masons in the church? It's like, well, yeah. So, and that's okay. It's like, well, f- man, it's just it's absurd. And uh, I, it's like, well, what if what if I was to, uh, if I would have thought it about the time, I would have asked him. I said, yeah. Well, I mean, the, now that you bring that up, I, I just. I was just going to go ahead and tell you that, yeah, I'm, I'm a Scientologist, and I've been going to, you know, I, I have, I go to church on Sunday, and then I go uh, Tuesday nights over to the Scientologist uh, lounge or whatever, and do e-meters and all that all that jive, and they would flip out. It's like, oh, you, you, you can't do that. It's like, well, how can you be a, how can you be a flipping Mason? You know? Well, you know, I think your uh, I think your video, uh, the atheist experience is pretty much, you know, and some of the stuff Jay Dyer's done, is some of the only stuff to bring up fallacious reasoning that I've seen with atheism and um, and evolutionary theory. Well, I think the that, reason that should, why that should, that should be something that should be something that should be widespread, just like I was talking about with eugenics and abortion. Yeah, I mean, they're okay. When you break it down, right? I mean, I, I thought I, I thought I, I did a f- fairly good job at breaking it down. I mean, I I, I don't know how you could uh, interpret their arguments any other way. And I, and I gave the definitions right on the screen there. I mean, it, that is exactly what they were. Their arguments fell right in line with those stated logical fallacies. I mean. Uh, and then the thing about logical fallacies too is the Socratic method and all that. It's like, okay, if you sit down and think about it, if you take any one individual uh, so-called logical fallacy and you, and you really think it through, it's like, well, yeah, that's absolutely true. There's no really any way around it. You know, it's like it, it's, it's just um, pretty straightforward as far as like a being just a – just a, a statement of fact that's really not contestable if if you really break it down. But yeah, I think the the problem is though is that you'll have the you know creationist evolutionist debates like the one they had with Ken Ham and Bill Nye, and uh, you know Ken Ham you know coming from the Christian cre- creationist perspective, he has. Uh, his own investment into academia, you know, so he wants to be on the same level and he wants to portray himself as some sort of a scientist, right? So that he has uh, credibility in the eyes of the general public. And that's sort of a, 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 a tactic, you know, it's like, well, I need to get the mantle of respectability 
and then uh, have this Creation Research Institute that has peer review and blah, 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 and we do science, blah, 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 and, uh, but, so you're not going to find him challenging the fallacious nature of those types of claims. Christian Christian uh, Research Institute, which I, I I actually went there when I was a kid. I think he used to be in California. I don't know if it still is. I don't. Yeah, I know, think so. But yeah, I think it's not actually not too far away from L.A. Um, but they believe in dinosaurs. Yeah, they believe in dinosaurs and uh, yeah, yeah, and, and and round Earth and the Earth goes around the sun and you know sixteen what thousand miles an hour and we're spinning a thousand miles and all of that. They believe all of that. They don't question any of that. It's yeah, I know. It's like uh, so they pretty much got their heads stuck up the rear end of academia to one extent or another. But then on the other hand, it's like. Uh, Totally deny science. On the other hand, on, in, in just these kind of specialized areas, and uh, yeah, so it is sort of this. Uh, not that they don't bring up a lot of good points. Not that they don't have, you know, really good information right. about how well, well, yeah, life let, actually works. Let, you know, let me let me interject too. Is that the I could watch a lot of those videos or a lot you know listen to a lot of stuff and hear a lot of great points but i think you're the points you make or the points that jay makes on the subject are the best points because that's how you totally destroy it it's like i can hear all day i hear, I can hear great arguments all day about how it's a child not a choice right right and i can i can agree with that i could say yes i believe it is it is a human being at conception there's no, there's no doubt about it. But what would be better is, hey, do you know that the people who started Planned Parenthood were, you know, the Rockefeller Foundation funded Margaret Sanger, who was a eugenicist who wanted black people to die. <laughs> Call them weeds. Yeah. Yeah. She weeds. wanted poor white. She wanted poor white people to die. She wanted brown people to die. Anybody who was not an elitist like like she believed herself to be was on the lower rungs and was basically slated for extinction that's what she was all about that's, that's an a, excellent and, and argument so, against uh, abortion yeah right not only that but these two things are joined at the hip that we are both discussing uh, atheism darwinism and abortion and eugenics because that's where the idea of all of that stuff really comes from. Yeah, and that's where uh, so much of this stuff is rooted in naturalistic materialism and Darwinism. You know, transhumanism, I mean, crying out loud. Yeah, abortion. And, uh, and, and, uh, and we, we've had, we, had a, we had a call before where I read quotes from, from uh, Darwin's letters to his uh, cousin Francis Galton. And, and because there, there's people out there who will say Darwin wasn't the eugenicist, he wasn't a, uh, you know, he, you know, even even the word eugenicist is getting muddied up now, and people saying, okay, well, it's dysgenics, not eugenics. You know, eugenics is something good, eugenics is this, that, and the other thing, and whatever. Everybody knows what I mean when I say eugenics in that sense, meaning 
that the state is going to control uh, the birth, you know, it, it, there's going to be population control and uh, social controls through the state, right? Yeah. Through science. Through science. science. Population and birth is going to be controlled through science. Right. Okay. And so, uh, so yeah, the, these things are all joined at the hip. And it's like, uh, oh yeah, Darwin wasn't a eugenicist. He he, that that came after him. And and like I said, we read those quotes from his letter. He clearly is hip to all the ideas of Francis Galton. Uh, he's clearly uh, on board with all that stuff. And and we talked about it before. You know, all of those things that come out of that particular time period, the 19th century, quote-unquote, science, is all based around this religion of eugenics, of, of, of breeding, of, like, good blood, good breeding, um, which is not a science at all. It's, it's literally a belief system. Yeah, you've seen those old movies that are centered around eugenics and, and, and stuff, right? We, we talked about those before. Um, yeah, they would have those in films and stuff. That was, uh, they forced sterilized women and stuff in the, like around the 20s. And uh, yeah. yeah, they had eugenics programs going on in the United States with court-ordered forced sterilization and crazy stuff like that. And that's a part of our history. Nobody talks about it. Nobody brings it up in the whole abortion thing. Nobody brings up the fact that you know, uh, it, it, it uh, black people have the most abortions, and it's it, it's it's sort of this uh, slow motion genocide that's taken place with these abortion clinics. Nobody brings that up. Generally speaking, some some a rare bird or once in a while does, but yeah, yeah. I think I think a lot of it. You know, they're they're talking about this. They're talking about a lot of this nonsense right now. Like, oh, they're going to defund Planned Parenthood because they're selling baby parts and all that. Just so you know, that'll never happen. I say put put Margaret Sanger on the twenty dollar bill, and then people can start talking about who she was. That'd be right. a great idea. I think that's the best idea they had. It's like, yeah, put her, put her mug on the twenty dollar bill, and then okay, who the hell is this woman? Let's start talking about who the hell she is. Margaret Singer was good. She was good. She wanted to help the white race. <laughs> yeah. One, she was promoting eugenics for the white race. That was good. That's for the original, the original people who who lived on this continent. That's we, the people. We we means white people. The true nation of Israel, right? Right. We means white people. Yeah, but not but not the not the white Jews though. No. Well. Yeah, a lot of the stuff never gets to get entered into discussions. It's like, oh, yeah, why do you got a giant statue of Albert Pike in Washington, D.C. when he was the founder of the Ku Klux Klan? And, uh, <laughs> yeah, we don't get to talk about that. Um, yeah, it's just... Jesse Jackson doesn't talk about that. Al no, Sharpton doesn't talk about that. Well, he's a Mason, too, probably. 
That's right. Al Sharpton, nothing here, nothing, yeah, you're not going to hear those guys bring that up, but they'll talk about, you know, how, uh, you know, they'll, they'll bring up equally racist ideas. You know, that, that's the other thing about the whole the whole race stuff. I, I didn't get to talk with you and Pierce Redmond about the, the race stuff. The race. The race stuff is just is just a whole bunch of BS. I just I, I wish people just realized that the race stuff is all concocted for everybody to get get up in arms about. Oh yeah. From both sides, there's a ton of things out there that I could get angry about as a white person. I could be I could stay mad all day about all the bad stuff that's getting done to white people. All the bad things that are being said in the media about white people, all all those things, I, I could stay mad for days about it, it's, right? Yeah, you want to. And then, and then, then I've heard all this nonsense on on white nationalist radio shows uh, for for a long time now about how we need to start an NAACP but for whites, right? Uh huh. Yeah. So what? White whites need their own race race organization. I don't agree with the race organizations for the other groups. Why would I agree with the one for my group too? Yeah. Well, I think the I think those groups themselves in and of themselves are a bunch of BS. So I'm not going to just say, "Oh, well, uh because those groups get to have a group, I want to have a group too," even though I think the whole thing's a, a sham. Well, I think the they were talking about this not too long ago. Some some woman in, in some black organization. She was white, but she she called. She said she's transracial, right? Uh, oh yeah, I remember that. Yeah. But okay, so if you can be transgender, why can't you be transracial? Right. I mean that 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 is consistent. If if you could switch your gender, why can't you switch your race? Why can't okay you identify hey. as black? Well, I identify as black, man. I'm black. Bill Clinton was the first black president. He was the first black, yeah. He was the first black president, and why not? Well, uh, yeah, if you don't have any standard or anything, why is why is race this hard-set standard? But, you know, if we're going to move forward on race, you know, we because you know, there are a lot, of, a lot of people out there that think it's, you know, very, very important that, you know, we, we call out the Jew, we call out, it's like, well, you know, we need some sort of... Uh, just like a you know, like a woman has can go over the counter and buy a pregnancy test. We need a, a race kit, a, a test like you know, if we can maybe get it in your urine stream somehow, we could look at it and if it turns a certain color, okay, the Jew, or if it's like we need something like that. If we're going to place so much emphasis on this race thing, you have to truly be able to identify who is what race, right? Because there's so much. Mixing that has been going on throughout recorded history, especially with like the the slaves that were brought over there, they were uh, mixed race, uh, babies f- flying everywhere. You know, it's like what what are we going to do? We got to we got to really get to the core of it, and we really got to have some kind of really straightforward scientific test so that we can know precisely who's a Jew, who's who's black, who's this and who's that. You know. Because you, hey, you could look totally Alexander white. Hamilton? Yeah, Alexander Hamilton, the guy on the ten dollar bill, the uh, the guy that um, the guy that a lot of the uh, 
that in the con- you know in the conspiracy culture gets blamed uh, for uh, you know basically as a, as a British agent who was who you know tricked the founding fathers into setting up the money system. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Well, the midnight session of Congress. Chris? Uh, yeah, I'm here. Can you hear me? Hello? Uh, can't, I, I can hear you, but uh, you can't hear me now? Oh, I can hear you now. You cut out there for a second. Oh. Probably, probably the Illuminati. Yeah. The Jews, maybe. Who knows? Well, Illuminati's getting it again. I can't hear. Okay. Science ninjas. You can't hear now? I don't know what's going on. Like all of a sudden. Oh, we started talking about race. That's what happened. It happens every time, man. It happened on the last call. You there? So you go through a go through a tunnel or something? No, I, I, like I said, it's probably the Illuminati. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's what it was. I started, I started talking about Alexander Hamilton, and then all of a sudden uh, the phone died. So you know you know what that is, right? Well, it happens all the it happens when a certain ethnic group gets brought up and I'm not even going to say it again because I don't want the call to yep. start messing up that's uh, right and, and oh see it's breaking up again oh I shouldn't have brought up Alexander Hamilton <laughs> no what I was saying was Alexander Hamilton himself he's on the $10 bill he was a half breed who was redhead he was half black did you know that Alexander Hamilton was half black. Yeah, you could look that up. Did not know that. Yep. And see, that's uh, he was. You know when the um, and the point the point I was making was that, you know when when he was uh, conspiring with the British to trick the founding fathers into setting up the money system. Uh-huh. Right. Yeah. Right, because he he gets blamed, you know, like he gets bl- blamed by a lot of the uh, the conspiracy culture as the sole architect of the American money system. And if it wasn't for him, we would have had a sound money system, right? Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah, and so uh, that's why. That's why Alexander, or not Alexander, that's why Andrew Jackson had to, had to, you know, destroy the bank of the, you know, the second bank of the U.S. And luckily, Andrew Jackson, who was a, a devout Freemason on top of that, was also, uh, you know, luckily he was there to save the day and save us from, the, you know, the bad money system. Yeah, but they eventually got it in in what nineteen thirteen. Well, yeah, that's when they re—that's when they reclaimed it. Reclaimed it. Yeah. 
with the midnight session of Congress on Christmas Eve, and they slipped in a bill at the last minute. That's how the story goes, and it completely that's, that's reconfigured. Yeah, yeah, true story, right? Yes, and and as you've suggested many times, is like, well, why don't we just get together and and you know slip a bill into Congress that you know outdoes it? It's like. <laughs> It's so ridiculous when you hear these stories about the, you know, like Obamacare gets input or, you know, whatever. Um, and it's always on this uh, technicality. Yeah, right? some kind of, yeah, some kind of lo- uh, it's a, it's loophole a, or something, yeah. Technicality, yeah. Yeah, there's this, there's this, there's this technicality. It's almost like, like in wrestling, in, in professional wrestling, when... When uh, Mr. Fuji throws the salt in his opponent's eyes, and the ref didn't see it, but then the ref <laughs> ruled in favor of Mr. Fuji. You're telling me that the owner of the wrestling, uh, uh, you know, Vince McMahon or whatever, he's not going to intervene and say, "Hey, there was cheating involved," so he doesn't win the title, right? Yeah, I mean, and, then- and so that's what that's what happens here in America when all, when all these bad bills or these things get passed it's just oh can't go back on it now it got passed <laughs> right yeah like uh i don't know i was joking about it runtime i said well you know maybe we could get it go up to the, the congress building and then we'll find a maybe it's hot summer day or something they got a window open to get ventilate and we could we can get the bill the new bill the good righteous bill that's going to change the money system back to its 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 good uh, level found gold standard or whatever, and then we'll you know we'll draft it up just like a regular bill, and then you know fold it up like a paper plane, and then just throw it into the thing, and then it lands in the where the uh, the bookkeeper you know is collecting all the paperwork and all that, and just just slip it in right there, and then once it once it's in, it's in right, and then it's like there's nothing that can be done about it. Can't turn can't turn it back now. I don't know. That's right. That's how it works. Yeah, that's how it works. You just gotta, you just gotta do a sleight of hand and then slip it in under the uh, under the door or something like that. Oh, what's this paper? It's like, oh, okay. I guess I'll put it there with the rest. It looks official. And then, boom! It's like, oh, next thing you know, oh, we got a country back. It's like, oh yeah, okay. That that sounds reasonable. But no, that's how it got done. No, I mean, come on. Uh, yeah, I know. It's like people slipped in, slipped in in the dead of night. <laughs> That's so ridiculous, man. I don't, I don't know how to explain how ridiculous that is. Uh, but people parrot that, like they, like that's how it was done. And it's like, oh, come on. Yeah, you're, you've seen the Money Masters, right? Yeah, is that the one where it's got a lot of the animation and stuff? No, that's the old one from the '90s with William T. Still, and he's it's got it's got a lot of like um, it, it just goes through that whole thing and how the the Rothschilds were behind overthrowing the American money system. Yeah, I'm sure I've seen it. Probably been a while. Like I said, it's got a lot of good information in it, but just to think that that you know it was this plot behind the scenes, nobody knew about it. Yeah, you know? just got uh, 
so repetitiously if it for, slipped in. If it wasn't for that meeting at Jekyll Island, it wouldn't have, you know. Well, yeah, I mean, that to me is just folklore, you know, just plain and simple. Just like everything else that has to do with the government and the way it got started and the, the whole thing, it's just, it's just mythology, it's like these myths that get passed around. It's like, uh, it, yeah, it's, it's it's a scam from the beginning, man. I mean, it's like it was always a scam. I mean, what do they do in a closed-door session of Congress where the public wasn't allowed in? Well, well, well think, about, think about the Jekyll Island story, okay? Let's just think about that for a minute, minute there. It's almost like a plot of a movie. Like, you've got all the... I mean, we've talked about this before, about how, how you know, you go back into history, everybody hated the Rockefellers. Everybody hated J.P. Morgan. Everybody hated all the industrialists. They were hated in the press. They were hated in the general population, right? Uh-huh. Right? That, that, was, that was pretty well known that these guys were, the, were, you know, the evil empire of their day, right? Yeah, robber barons is what they call them. Yeah, and then they're all going to get together and meet on this island and plot together in secret the the you know the new way that the the new world order. It's it's like a movie. Oh, I know. I know. You know. It, Every, every single every single industrialist is represented there, and they all came on secret trains. And then you hear about this, and you know maybe uh, it did happen. Maybe uh, that meeting really did happen, but but it's funny. You know, actually, there's five black presidents. Five black presidents? Five. Thomas Jefferson, Andrew Jackson, Abraham Lincoln, Warren G. Harding, and uh, Eisenhower. Oh, yeah? According to this. Just like, just like we, we talked about, and I, I talked about this the other day with uh, with uh, Dr. Mike Spaulding, um, who uh, I'm sure you're, you're going to be talking to him pretty soon. Nice guy. But but we were, we were talking about... Uh, it's how ridiculous Eisenhower's warning was to everybody. About the military-industrial complex, yeah. Yeah. So how utterly ridiculous and nonsensical that would be, especially when you read about how Eisenhower was in constant meetings with all the people who were designing the military-industrial complex. He's going to come out with a speech saying, hey, there's a technocratic elite, and they're erecting a military-industrial complex. Look out! Yeah. And uh, once the speech is over, I got to go have a meeting with uh, with Gordon Watson and Aldous Huxley. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, it, it, uh, it it what it what that does. What I think is that it. Um, it puts your trust or faith in these people called presidents so that, you know, they they make a, a revelatory statement like that. And then, you know, I, I, I think 
really that's why the staged shooting of uh, JFK happened, I really do, was to, yeah, yeah, because there was going to be events coming down the road that kind of were going to be um, undermine the overall trust in the presidency, you know, with the Nixon, the Watergate thing, and then uh, subsequently other stuff, and then on on up to Clinton and all that. Um, So there need to be some sort of seminal event that would... uh, instill people's faith in 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 politics as they are and i think jfk to this day still goes a really long way in that it's like yeah you know if we get the right guy in there they can really make a change you know if if they don't get their head blown off you know i mean and right that that's what that did yeah it it did and you know that's why people still to this day will parrot the phrase that Kennedy was the last real president. Right. But, you know, he had every weekend off. We just talked about that on a couple of calls back. It's like, okay, if you're running if you're running a chain store, like any, you know, whatever it happens to be, you know, uh, like a Del Taco franchise, you're the manager. You run you run the the taco stand. You're not going to be taking every weekend off, dude. No, that's a lot of damn work just to run a one franchise, one business, run a whole entire yeah. country, and you're going to be taking every weekend off. Come on. Well, speaking of taking off, I'm pulling in the driveway, my friend. All right, dude. Uh, been a good, it was a good one. Yeah, I think we covered some good territory there. Oh, yeah, I was going to say one more thing, you ought to check out this movie called uh, Black Robe. Have you ever seen that? I have not. Yeah, that's a good one. It's about the jazz. Thank you for listening to The Afternoon Commute.